Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, Falcoholics. What is up? Welcome to episode 273 of the Falcoholic Live. I'm your host, Kevin Knight, here with my co-host, Adnan Ikech. He's at Say Which Way. Adnan, how are you doing, my friend? I'm uh, doing well. Uh, you know, I'm not I'm not up there in, Al- in Alabama with you, uh, you know, down there in the trenches, getting up close and personal with uh, some potential Falcons in, in the future. But yeah, I'm uh, I'm here. Uh, I'm here holding down the fort in Atlanta. Yeah, well, we got we got lots to talk about, including the Senior Bowl today. I'll give you guys sort of my overall takeaways and stuff like that because the third practice did wrap up this afternoon. We'll also talk about uh, a busy week for the Falcons, where they've hired. Uh, most of the staff, it seems like, hired, retained, etc. So we're going to talk about our thoughts on the Falcons coaching staff that's coming together under Raheem Morris and uh, dig, dig into that a little bit. And then, of course, give you guys the draft takes that I know you all want so much. Uh, we're going to jump into that pretty quickly here. Um, but yeah, we're going to get to get to all the big topics uh, because this has been an unusually busy January for the Falcons. I remember last year this time was pretty sleepy up until the actual event happened but it seems like it's been pretty pretty packed with stuff here and uh which i'm I'm not you know upset about it's always nice to have the content certainly but uh real quick guys before we dive in let me bring you word from our sponsor real quick betonline.ag folks it's super bowl time and it's going to be of course the san francisco 49ers versus the kansas city chiefs in las vegas probably the most predictable Super Bowl, maybe not the most uh, novel. Uh, I was definitely pulling for the Lions, hoping to see them in there. But uh, the Super Bowl, very popular time to bet. And Bet Online, of course, is your number one source for those odds, stats, trends, and lines up to the minute. They've got everything from those point spreads, hundreds of player performance props, everything you need to get started for your Super Bowl betting and more. So what are you waiting for, guys? Head to that website, betonline.ag today. They also have an app for mobile access. You can stay updated on all that action. Make sure to check out BetOnline and use our promo code BELIEVE. It's B-L-E-A-V. And guys, BetOnline, game starts here. All right. Adnan, let's let's start with some coaching staff takes uh, first, just because that was sort of the news of the day today with uh, the Falcons officially hiring Ike Hilliard as their wide receivers coach. But we also, of course, since our last show, uh, we've seen Zach Robinson hired as offensive coordinator officially. Jimmy Lake hires as, as defensive coordinator. Quite a few guys staying on uh, to continue. It seems like quite a bit of stuff. Uh, even Dave Huxtable, the defensive assistant that was already reported to be leaving to go with Ryan Nielsen. He is going to be staying on as a senior defensive assistant. So a lot of stuff happening uh, here in the Atlanta coaching staff. How how are you feeling sort of on the whole about how Morris's staff is coming together? I mean, I think it sends a very loud message when you fire a head coach and then retain everyone else. Um, so that that's, that's the biggest sort of takeaway uh, that I got from that, that one, Raheem Morris – he knows some of these guys uh, and it, it shows you that they want to, that they want to be on his staff. Like well, we know that one of the big positives of Raheem Morris 
uh, of hiring Raheem Morris is that he's a very well-connected individual. He's been around forever. He's been on a lot of defensive staffs. He's actually even dabbled in, you know, on the offensive side of the ball. He was the wide receivers coach for the Falcons a, a few years ago. Um, former head coach, and you can see those connections sort of paying dividends right away. The most exciting hire is probably um, the offensive coordinator. Um, just because Zach Robinson over there in Los Angeles comes from the, the Sean McVay coaching tree. Uh, I know, I know, big knock. He did not call plays in, in Los Angeles. And, and that's fair. That's completely fair. He's, he's going to be probably a first-time play caller. But, you know, Matt LaFleur didn't call plays in Atlanta. You know, uh, Mike McDaniel didn't call plays in Atlanta under Kyle Shanahan. Those guys ended up being, you know, great offensive coordinators, great head coaches uh, down the line. So it's not really, you know, it is a knock, it is a negative, but it's not really anything to sort of completely shoot him down on, especially because Robinson was – very, very in demand. I would say the most in demand offensive coordinator candidate in this entire cycle. And the Falcons got him rather quickly because he and Raheem Morris are like this, apparently. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you're talking about bringing someone in from that McVay system who has learned a, a very, very modern system under arguably the most modern head coach the NFL has seen over the past few years. Uh, we're going to see a lot of a lot of motion implemented in, in this offense uh, next year. I think we will see uh, some some of uh, these individual uh, skill position players like a Drake London, like a Kyle Pitts, completely utilized to the best of their abilities, which is not something that we saw under Arthur Smith the past few years. You noticed it in Los Angeles. Matthew Stafford is very good, but even with Matthew Stafford sort of wearing down a little bit, Last year, they still supported two very high-end wide receivers in Cooper Cup and, and uh, Puka Nakua. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled with that hire, and that was the most important hire that the Falcons made because, you know, admittedly, I am, I, I am a little bit um, underwhelmed with the, with the Jimmy Lake hire on the defensive end, but defensive coordinator isn't as important in this situation under Raheem Morris because Raheem Morris will have – you know, he'll have his say on the defense and he may even completely call plays on defense himself. Just the same way that under Arthur Smith, the offensive coordinator hire was not as important as the defensive coordinator hire. Because now this will be Zach Robinson's complete, this is his show on offense. He is the coach of this offense. And if this offense, you know, plays up to expectations in, in the way that we we hope it will, then Robinson will be a hot hot commodity in head coaching cycles and you know that's that's going to be bad for the Falcons but we'll cross that bridge when we get to it um but yeah overall I'm I'm happy uh I'm 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 very happy to see uh the team retain a lot of these uh a lot of these coaches I'm, I'm happy to see TJ Yates uh moved over to the becoming the quarterbacks coach and having an actual dedicated quarterback coach moving forward and you know this this team is going to – I feel like this secondary is going to have a lot of leadership over there. You know, between Jimmy Lake being a, a very long-time DBs coach uh, before he became a defensive coordinator at Washington, between Raheem Morris, uh, between uh, the DBs coach being retained uh, from last year, it's going to be 
I, I, I like this coaching staff. Uh, I, I'm very, very happy. Raheem Morris admittedly wasn't my number one pick uh, as head coach. Um, you know, he wasn't my number two pick either. But what was very important is that he puts a team around him that's going to help him be successful. And I think he did exactly that. And, you know, I'm, I'm very excited about it. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree. I, I feel the same way about those hires and sort of the structuring that you mentioned. And the big one that everyone was waiting to hear about was Zach Robinson, right? That, that was the, were they going to be able to get that high end coordinator hire if they were going with the defensive head coach? And, that was one of the reasons I liked the Morris hire in particular was because I thought he would have a great chance to bring in a top coordinator like Zach Robinson. He's worked closely with, and you heard Robinson had interest from multiple teams. The Bucks definitely wanted to hire him among others. And you heard what Robinson said. It was like, if, 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 you know, if, if Raheem Morris calls me, I'm, I'm going, you know, if, if Morris gets a head coaching job, I'm going there, wherever he goes, doesn't really matter to me. Um, and, you know, it, that's the thing, like with Zach Robinson, it's, it's what you, what you said is just really resonates because there's a lot of people, you know, not going to call them haters necessarily, but people that are looking to nitpick everything about Raheem Morris, which regardless of who they hired, you were going to have people that didn't like to hire and that's totally fine. And, you know, I would have nitpicked the shit out of everything Belichick did, you know, I, so I don't blame you necessarily, but you know, saying like, oh, well, show me what Zach Robinson has done to convince me that he's a good hire. You know, other than that, he's worked with Sean McVay and is known as this up and comer and has all this interest. What has he done? It, there's no other answer than that. That That's why people are interested. Like he's worked under Sean McVay. He's risen up the ladder steadily and is from a very successful coaching tree and has a lot of interest. So that that's all you can do. He had other than a few preseason games, he hasn't called plays. So it's not like I could point to a bunch of stats to convince you that it's a great hire. If you're determined to think it's a bad hire, then you're not going to like the hire and there's not really anything anyone can tell you. We'll just have to wait and see, um, you know, a little bit of an odd hill to die on, but defensive coordinator was definitely more of like an open question. I know. I think the, the, the white whale was probably, you know, a zero Evero, but he, it seems like that was not going to happen. Either Carolina is going to force him to stay which would probably be a bad decision on their part, but they have the right to do that. Or he's going to go back to LA or something like that with LA losing a bunch of guys. And that's probably a better fit for his career trajectory. So I don't blame Evero for not necessarily wanting to stick around or, or wait for another NFC South job. But, you know, Jimmy Lake is an interesting one because of how things ended in Washington, you know, university of Washington, where he got fired for putting hands on a player. And um, that obviously didn't work out very well for him, but, Prior to that incident, Jimmy Lake was an elite defensive coordinator. I think Washington had the top defense in the Pac-12 multiple times, was routinely a, a top 20 college defense. Uh, and, you know, I, I think obviously his experience with DBs is unquestionable. And you mentioned it, keeping Jerry Gray and Steve Jackson around too. I think they're going to have a very, very good secondary staff. Um, and I'm, I'm really excited to see how that turns out. So, um and yeah, the the other hires that you brought up, you know, TJ Yates moving to quarterbacks coach, that's sort of a no-brainer to me. I don't know why he wasn't already the quarterbacks coach. I mean, I I don't I can't imagine that Yates was like I don't know. It, it seems weird to move him to wide receivers coach considering all of his experience was at quarterbacks coach and he is a former quarterback. 
I'm guessing they were just like, oh, we like you. Do you want to just be the wide receivers coach? It's like, okay. But typically the pipeline is the quarterbacks coaches move to offensive coordinator and move to head. So it's like n- nothing against wide receivers coaches. It's, it's a great job. It's just like, I, I don't think like TJ Yates was clamoring to be the wide receivers coach. So that situation was always a little bit odd to me, but um, you know, I, uh, TJ Yates goes to quarterbacks coach where he's got the experience. I think that's a good move. And then like Hilliard comes in now at wide receivers coach. And I know kept... Mohamed Sanu was a yeah. plan on Twitter for, for that job forever. Yeah. I, I'm not shocked that they didn't make him the wide receivers coach because he doesn't really have any NFL coaching experience. And, and th- like, even though I was ta- just talking up, you know, quarterbacks coach, wide receivers coach is a serious high level assistant position on a team, given the importance of wide receiver in today's NFL. So, you know, it, it, Sanu's probably not coming in as the wide receivers coach. It's unlikely to happen for him. Offensive assistant, offensive quality control coach, that could happen. I don't know that it's going to happen in Atlanta, but that is more likely to be his first job. So I wouldn't rule out that Sanu could get a an assistant position as like an offensive assistant or a quality control coach or maybe a coaching intern just to start you know he clearly has the passion for it and really wants it and I know the fans are interested in it so I'd love to have Mo around the building I think he's a fun guy just a a good presence to have but um we will see uh what what happens with that but yeah I mean the other one that I think we should definitely spend a minute on is is Dwayne Ledford sticking around uh which I that was that was other than Robinson that was my favorite move um I was very scared of losing Dwayne Ledford, and I was very happy that the team was blocking interviews for him. I've honestly been kind of worried about losing Ledford to uh, an offensive coordinator job for the past couple of years already. But, I mean, if you weren't sold on him after the 2022 season, I don't know what else, like, what else you can see from this offensive line to really be sold on him because they came out and they were, you know, once again, if you look at t- – PFF stats. I know it's not gospel, but it still gives you like a, a grade to work off of. Um, they were once again a top five offensive line in the NFL. Once again, a, a dominant run offense unit. And, you know, this is with a rookie left guard in there. Uh, this is with Caleb McGarry. Started off pretty rough uh, to start off last year, but he, he bounced back. Uh, Chris Lindstrom has developed into arguably the best guard in the NFL. He should have been an all pro, but, you know, uh, I, I digress on that. Uh, what we can get into it for for a whole hour about why Jesse Bates and, and Chris Lindstrom and Jesse Bates especially should have been an All Pro over fucking Antoine Winfield and Kyle Hamilton. Excuse my language. Um, <laughs> I, I'm going off. I'm going off topic here. Um, but yeah, Dwayne Ledford has been awesome for the team. I'm I'm incredibly excited, and apparently he's going to have uh, a bit of a a louder voice in this offense yeah. as well, pretty much coaching the running game while Zach Robinson more so focuses on the pass, which it could be a good thing because, you know, Robinson is a first time offensive coordinator. It sort of, it sort of helps take something off of his plate a little bit because he will also be a first time play caller as well. So it could be, it, it could be a, a dynamic duo, uh, so to speak. But, yeah, I'm very excited. I think Ledford's a very elite offensive line coach, and I think the team's lucky to have him. Yeah, I've liked what I've seen from Ledford, particularly the depth just seems to play well. And that's a big thing. Like, you know, I think you could – I know a lot of people have mentioned, you know, the starters didn't necessarily live up to last year's level. 
Um, you know, I think Lindstrom had another great season, but like, you know, I don't blame anyone for being a little disappointed with the play of the starters, but I just, I feel like every time we have to have depth players step in and this year we had quite a few at tackle like Storm Norton, Storm Norton last year with the Chargers was awful. I mean, really bad. And he was completely rock solid in Atlanta. And I think that has a lot to do with he his was, coaching. And He was solid. Like I would, yeah. he was, he was solid enough to where I'd be comfortable with him being in swing tackle again next year. Like, yeah. Storm Norton came in, and there was not much drop-off at all from Caleb McGarry. And that's not a knock on Caleb McGarry. Like, Norton was genuinely, like, more than decent. And yeah. even re- remember that game where the team lost four starting offensive linemen? I forgot who it was against, but it was late in the season. Maybe it was the Bucks. Um, But, yeah, they they still held up. Like, we weren't on the show the next week talking about how bad the offensive line was. I don't think we really criticized the offensive line very much other than the very beginning of the season at all much last year. And that's a really good thing because that's one of those positions where the less you talk about them, the the better it is because, you know, it's a very thankless job. Yeah. No, I think that that first quarter of the season, we were starting to get a little worried and then things really stabilized. So I appreciate that. And like Tyler Vrabel too. I remember the game where we had to have Storm Norton and Tyler Vrabel play. And Tyler Vrabel came in at left tackle and was fine, uh, which was crazy to me. But, um, you know, good good on, on – I like Ledford. I'm, I'm confident with him being here. And it is it is interesting how probably – like a typically about 25 to 20% of the coaching staff shit like stays when you change head coaches. And it looks like it's going to be closer to like 50% or more here in Atlanta. So Also um, – just while we're talking about the offensive line in Ledford, I, I feel like we would be remiss if we didn't mention Drew Dahlman mm-hmm. because we were critical of his snaps. And, and that is something that needs to, you know, be perfected because you, you there were many snaps that were low that were, you know, that, that weren't really up to par uh, from an NFL standpoint, standpoint. But when you're talking about from the blocking sense, Drew Dahlman, who was one of the best centers in the NFL last year from a purely blocking perspective. And I remember talking to him uh, in in camp, him and uh, Caleb McGarry separately, and both of them just sang Ledford's praises and talked about how, how influential he was in, in both of their developments. And, yeah, I mean, Drew Dahlman is right now looking like a fifth-round steal, and center is not a position that we're talking about at all when it comes to the draft, when it comes to free agency – as, as a position that we have to upgrade. Whereas I felt like that's one of the positions that sort of dominated the conversation the last couple of years, you know, along with edge, along with guard, of course, with safety. But now it's like, you know, you sort of have your center of the future. And I'm fully comfortable with Drew Dahlman being the day one starter at center. And, you know, that that is even with the, the snap issues. And I, I've been a very vocal critic about the snap issues. Uh, but I think that's something you can improve on. But I have no complaints at all when it comes to the blocking run or pass. Mm-hmm. No, me neither. I I, I think it, it really solidified later in the season, and that was nice to see for sure. Um, I know we had a question from Jay Coop uh, asking about Jordan Fuller, the Rams safety. Do you think we could possibly get him? Um, he's not a free agent as far as I know. Um, or maybe he is. Let me double check. Okay, yes, he will be a free agent. You're right, yes. So, yeah, no, I, I think that could be a, a potential pickup for sure, Jordan. Um, or Jay. 
Jordan Fuller's the player. Jay is the person who asked the question. Yeah, no, I think Jordan Fuller is definitely someone to, to look into. The Rams' safety did have a nice three-interception season last year. I think he was pretty solid to above average, according to PFF. And they, they need someone other than Richie Grant. They need an upgrade. We, we they they have to upgrade from Richie Grant. Yeah. Like, I, it, it's not it's not negotiable, I think, at this point. Like, I, I don't think we can wait on Richie Grant anymore. Yeah. Uh, I think the, you, you know, the second round premium that you paid for him, you sort of have to admit the sunk cost at this point. You know, not that Richie Grant's going to be out of the league, but I don't think Richie Grant is a starting level player in this league, and I don't think he was worth the second round pick looking back using hindsight. We were excited for it at the time. Um, you know, we were hoping that Richie Grant would be a playmaker, a difference maker at the time, but at this point, it's been what, three years? Mm-hmm. Like, it's been a full three seasons. Like, it, that's a very fair, and I know he didn't play much in year one, but that's because he didn't know the playbook, apparently. So yeah. uh, you can't really give him a pass for that. Um, but three years is a very fair amount of time to assess, you know, a player moving forward. And I think the assessment with Richie Grant is you need someone better than him next to Jesse Bates if yeah. you want to take your defense to that next level. No, absolutely. And, um, you know, I, I think Jordan Fuller is a good one, given the connection there. I like Cam Cameron Curl too from the Commanders. Um, since they're changing schemes, he could be let go. Um, you know, as uh, like let allowed to walk. He's also a free agent. Those are definitely two guys I'll be I'll be keeping an eye on. But yeah, safety is definitely a need area. I don't know if they're gonna go for a veteran considering how much they're paying Jesse Bates. But um, you know, Kyle Kyle Duggar is another guy. If or, or is it Xavier McKinney? But again, those are gonna be really high priced type safeties, and you you wonder are they willing to spend a lot next to Jesse Bates, considering how much Bates is making, you know, it's ideally it's a spot that you add in the draft, but you know, given their other needs, the need for a quarterback, all that stuff. I I don't know how big of a priority it's going to be to draft a safety. It might be, it might be one that, you know, you just sort of have to take a day three stab at and maybe a, a relatively lower end sort of free agent, like a, like a lower end starter, like an average starter, which would be an upgrade over what the Falcons had. And they do have DeMarco Helms too, to pitch in there. But yeah, it's a, I really like Helms as a depth piece, but I don't know if I'd be super comfortable with him being the day one. And he could prove me wrong. He could come to training camp and just explode this year. Um, But, you know, I, I definitely think safety is high up on that, on that priority list. And I don't think it's a position you can, really punt anymore i mean not that they punted it last year with Bates, but no. I, I feel like they did they were hoping to get more from richie grant and you know it, it's fine it, it, it's fine that that you didn't but it, it's worse if you if you try to continue sticking with him and saying all right he was a second rounder we have to get back our investment because you know you have to just admit this on cost at, at that point you're just you're just hurting the team moving forward yeah yeah so we'll see what goes on there um but yeah i I do think that that's safety is definitely a neat area um and it's a good way to transition into the senior bowl talk because there there were some good safeties on display i I wouldn't say it was a crazy great class and i was sad to see you know michigan's mike sinris still didn't didn't end up playing um which was disappointing because i i thought he might get some more run at safety. He's their sort of like nickel defender star guy. But, you know, 
the safeties didn't like blow me away this week here in Mobile. You know, there, there's definitely some really good player like Cooper DeGene, but he's you're probably better off putting him at outside corner. So, you know, there, there's going to be talent at safety there. But, uh, you know, day three, I, I don't know if you're really looking at a ton of starters. Maybe um, you're probably going to have to to spend if you really want to get a good starter. But, you know, looking at the, the position that the Falcons really need, you know, wide receiver was the was the one that really ended up um that was that was probably the most impressive position overall. I know we had a question from from Dave with the five dollars saying you know, you dog guys... here? <laughs> Is that Choate? No. <laughs> no. He says, Do you guys expect the wide receiver room to change drastically? Yeah. Definitely. It's gonna change drastically. Um, you know, it's gonna be Drake London and we'll see. You know, it, it theoretically you know van jefferson might make more sense in this offense than he did in arthur smith's offense given you know zach robinson's got experience with him and all that stuff uh but other than that and and maybe like Kaderil hodge because of his special teams acumen and you know the special teams coordinator is the same marquise williams so I, I imagine they'll still value hodge in that role and i think he's a solid depth receiver but um you know uh, yeah, I think the wide receiver room is going to change drastically. And this was a great class, the senior bowl. They didn't have any of the like first-round guys here, like Malik Neighbors, Marvin Harrison Jr., Roma Dunze. Those guys weren't here, but the guys that were here were all pretty good. I mean, honestly, other than like North Carolina's Tez Walker, who just struggled, um, everybody else seemed to not seem to either play like what you would expect or like raise their profile with guys like like uh, you know, Michigan's Roman Wilson left you know after yesterday's practice just kind of like mic dropped uh same thing with florida's ricky pearsall who was a guy that you know i i had heard some hype about but he was cooking everybody um and looked good you know so it you know uh louisville's jamari thrash clearly the best receiver on that uh other side on day three lad um, was good lad was what you would expect i mean lad lad def lad on day one cooked everybody uh lad on day two it seemed like everyone kind of adjusted and he was still good but didn't like didn't blow the doors off like day one and then today he was back to cooking people again so lad is is gonna do a great job um you know i, I a lot of people were like oh is he first round now i i don't think so i mean it is what it is right lad is is a smallish slot receiver uh who does have good athletic talent but he doesn't have elite size or elite deep speed. He has good deep speed, but it's like, that's a second round guy. Like the best ones of, of that archetype typically go in the second round. And that's not a knock on him, but um, I, I don't think he you, did. If we What's hired that? Bill Belichick, Lod would be high up on that board. <laughs> but, you know, Belichick just got those guys like as undrafted for agency. You know, he just like plucked Wes Welker and, and Julian Edelman in like the seventh round, you know, Lad lads too high profile for Bill. Uh, but, I do like Lad, and and that's one of the things is like, what is this offense going to look like under Zach Robinson? Because if it's going to look like Los Angeles, we're, we need a slot receiver like desperately. Yeah, this uh, this team, this iteration of the Falcons is going to invest much more in the wide receiver position than we saw last year. Because outside of Drake, I think the the Falcons last year spent the least amount i mean even including drake he's on a rookie deal i think the falcons spent the least amount of money total uh in the wide receiver room out of every team in the nfl last year and i mean 
look at it. It was Drake London. They brought in Matt Collins as the number two. He didn't do what we expected. I think Collins had a bit of a disappointing year. He was great during camp. He was a great interview during camp. But, you know, I feel like that was sort of the peak of his season last year. Um, and, you know, I'd love to keep Kaderil Hodge because of the special teams. Uh, he's a special teams ace. But outside of that, it was – you could tell that Arthur Smith didn't really – value the number two wide receiver, the slot wide receiver, or anything of the the sort. And I think, you know, I I think because the roster was constructed in such a way, there's going to be a much more heavy investment in wide receivers this year, whether that be using a day two pick on them in the draft or, you know, paying for the paying up for them much more in free agency. But the Falcons wide receiver room this year is going to be, I'd say, much more talented but that's because there was going to be a much bigger investment in it this year than, than there was last year. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing is they, they need wide receiver talent. They needed it last year and they didn't really go get it. That was kind of a surprise that we talked about quite a bit, but um, you know, I think to me, uh, wide receiver is going to be one of the biggest needs. I wouldn't be shocked if they draft two, maybe more, you know, especially late on day three, that they just take a couple shots at it, because this is a good class. Like I said, I mean, I think you go up and down the list of the guys here at the senior bowl, you know, Arizona's Jacob Cowing, unfortunately got hurt during the team drills today, but he has showed out. He's more of that shifty guy. You know, they, they've got big ones like Brandon Rice and, um, you know, Xavier Leggett was, was doing well yesterday. He wasn't there today, unfortunately. Um, you know, they, they come in all shapes and sizes. If you want a speed guy, you know, Roman Wilson was awesome. Jamari Thrash from Louisville, both of those guys probably raised their draft stock at least a whole round. Roman Wilson might, is probably in the, the date, like the, the round two conversation now. Uh, Florida's, Florida's Ricky Pearsall just looked like a really well-rounded guy with good speed, good size, good route running, you know, just that quintessential wide receiver three sort of guy. Um, you know, the Falcons really need a wide receiver two, really. And they also need a wide receiver three. <laughs> so, you know, you can get wide receiver twos typically on day two, and you can get wide receiver threes pretty easily on day three. So uh, you can, th- this will be a good class to do that. There's a lot of talent, a lot of, you know, Luke McCaffrey from Rice. Uh, he was playing well as, and looks like a good, you know, wide receiver three type of guy. And there's a ton of talent in this group at, at wide receiver. It's super deep. There's going to be wide receiver twos available in the second round there's going to be wide receiver threes available into if the falcons have a second round pick well maybe they'll have two you know yeah, maybe they'll have two maybe they'll have one maybe they'll have none so yeah that, it, that's it, the big question yeah it's the quarterback question that it, exactly. it's a lot it's a lot more difficult to evaluate when when the team is in such a position to where you have no idea if they are interested or if they are planning on possibly making a move up you know, and the move up would be for a quarterback, obviously. Um, but yeah, it, it's a lot more difficult to evaluate in January than as opposed to in years past, where it's like, all right, the team is at eight. The team's at eight a lot every single year. They're they're picking at eight. Um, but you know, before it's like, all right, you know that they're going to make this pick at eight most likely, um, yeah. because the Falcons just never trade down, like. I don't remember. When's the last time the Falcons traded down in the first first round? I don't know if that's happened in my lifetime. Yeah. Um, I think we actually did have a – we actually did ask the question 
And I think someone from the chat pulled it up that it was like 1990 or something like that, um, which is, you know, pretty crazy. But yeah, like we don't know what the team is going to have in the second round. We don't know if they'll even have that extra second round pick because it depends on Calvin Ridley re-signing. Um, well, you know, maybe Calvin Ridley, would, maybe the team will be interested in Calvin Ridley in free agency. Um, but yeah, I'm just speculating here. No, yeah. But yeah, uh, it's just uh, just a reminder that it's still well, it's technically February now. I was going to say it's still January, but it is now February. Technically, it's February first as of recording this show. Yeah. But uh, no, you're the big question is quarterback, and I'm sure we'll have an entire like show probably in the next couple weeks dedicated to just talking about the quarterback question. Um, and you know, it, that's that's the kicker because it's like. Do do they make some kind of crazy trade to go up to into the top three to get a quarterback? That will change the draft capital they have and change their plans everywhere else. Do they send their second round pick or one of their two second round picks uh, to the Bears for Justin Fields? That could change their draft plans all over the place. Do do they feel like they have you know? Do they take a quarterback at eight? At, after what I've seen at the Senior Bowl, I don't think so. Um, Michael Penix, Bo Nix, both good quarterbacks, but not top 10 quarterbacks. Um, also, if you're going to make a move for a quarterback, I, I, I think I've, I've mentioned it before, but if I haven't, I'll, I'll say it now. If you're going, it, it, it's, such a, it's such a flawed system, right? Even if you take a quarterback in the top five, like the hit rate is like, what, 50%? And then it, get, it goes down drastically after that. And the Falcons tried to sort of game the system by, you know, picking a third rounder and trying to turn Desmond Ritter into into the franchise. And, you know, that doesn't happen. It doesn't work. There's not everyone's Russell Wilson, not everyone's Dak Prescott. Those guys, not everyone's Tom Brady. Those guys are very, very rare. And it cost the last regime their job. My thing is, if you're going to make a move for a quarterback, and I think this this plays into a donation uh, that I saw uh, in the chat a little bit earlier asking this question. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Mad Tom K said, uh, how would we feel about trading up to get a quarterback if compensation is reasonable? reasonable. Um, my thing is in the draft, if you go quarterback, do it right. Like go up and grab one of the top three guys because it, you know, you have – maximize maximize the hit rate because that is too important of a position to sort of cheap out on and i even think using the eighth pick and not moving up in this draft to take a Penix or bo nix whom i think are both you know a full tier below uh the top three guys i think that is that would be in my definition cheaping out um if you're going to get a quarterback through the draft go up and get the guy get the franchise guy because that is that's the biggest hole that this franchise has to fill now and that's that's a gaping hole that this franchise has had since matt ryan retired and you see how you see how long some franchises wander through the wilderness you know without a quarterback go and some of those franchises you know pick and miss on top five picks i'm looking at you new york the jets uh shit the giants too but I, I mean, there's no there's no right system, but the way you can maximize your chances is to pick before the other teams. So yes, my answer is absolutely. I would love to move up for a quarterback 
And if, if you don't move up, I do not want to take a quarterback at eight. Yeah. And like, you know, I, I think the, the one chance you have, obviously if the bears want to keep Justin Fields, then number one pick will be for sale. That is going to be a crazy sweepstakes that probably every quarterback needy team is going to be in on. So your chances of winning that sweepstakes are probably pretty low. Um, but that would be one way. I, I don't think that the bears are going to keep Justin Fields though. So that's probably not going to happen. Um, the second one would be number three. If the Patriots don't take a quarterback or they're looking to trade that pick, you know, if they don't take, if they, you know, they're either going to take a quarterback or they're going to take Marvin Harrison Jr. Um, and I, if, if they're tempted by Marvin Harrison Jr., I would totally understand because he's a elite prospect. I mean, we know that. Um, so if the Patriots don't take him and the Cardinals are on the clock, there's going to be a frenzy to get Jaden Daniels there um, that the Falcons should definitely be interested in. But the question is, can you wait? Go? Can you can you wait until the draft to find out if the Patriots are going to take Marvin Harrison Jr. or not? Now, I presume people will know before that, more or less. Um, and I imagine the Patriots might even try to shop their pick if they're not going to take a quarterback. But ultimately, I think the chances of trading up for any of these quarterbacks is pretty low. Um, and I, I don't, you know, it, if the Patriots do pass, then there is a chance. It's going to be really expensive. My preference, if the Patriots don't take Jaden Daniels, is to do what it takes to get Jaden Daniels. And the Falcons are in a good position to do that because they're already in the top 10. And a lot of the quarterback needy teams are further down. So they'll have an advantage there. Um, but, you know, ultimately, probably not the biggest chance to do that. So if that's the case, then you have to figure out, are you going to trade for Justin Fields or are you going to sign a veteran? And it's just, I don't think Kirk Cousins is leaving Minnesota. Um, I just don't think it's going to happen. Apparently and I wouldn't be interested wants, anyway, but he wants what 90 million over two years. Like <laughs> I, I'm, I'm out. Like I know we discussed Kirk Cousins. The thing everyone glosses over is the Achilles tear. Like that's not a minor injury. And Kirk Cousins is not a young guy. And he's looking for more money now than he was when he was seven years younger, not coming off an Achilles tear as an unrestricted free agent with a chance to reset the quarterback market. I, you know, I'm out. Like, if that's the ask, I, I'm completely out on Kirk Cousins. Yeah, so I, I don't really see Kirk Cousins. And then it's like Russell Wilson. I mean, that, there's not a lot of options. So, like, if you're not He's able to cheap. get, like, yeah, if they'll be cheap, sure, for a couple of years while you sort of figure out what you're going to do. I mean, it's not the worst idea in the world. But, um, you know, it, ultimately to me, it's like it should be Justin Fields or you should be expecting to get Jaden Daniels by trading up. And if it's not one of those things, you're probably not in a good way. Like you lost, like you, you lost out on the trade and you lost out on fields. Um, and then you're in a bad spot going into 2024 where you're probably punting. Um, and fans aren't going to be happy about that. I mean, that probably means you're starting Ritter again. Um, and, and that would be Bad, like in the grand scheme of team building with a new with a start over, they would be more or less tanking. Like they're not actually tanking, obviously, but starting Desmond Ritter next year because they failed to get Fields or trade up is low key. Like we're playing for a top pick next year, and and we're hoping to get our quarterback then. 
which would suck uh, for us to have to go through another crap season. And it would obviously accelerate the timeline on Raheem Morris's eventual, hopeful, hopefully not eventual firing. But um, that would be like the worst case scenario, which is that they don't get the trade up and they don't get fields. And then they're kind of out of options at quarterback. So, but that's going to happen to teams because there's not enough quarterbacks to go around. So somebody's going to lose. Yeah. And, and I mean, that this is a conversation that we did not have to have for a long time because of Matt Ryan. Yeah. And I still remember people trying to drive Matt Ryan away because, you know, for whatever dumb reason. Um, th- this is life. This is life without a franchise quarterback. Like, you are, you are fighting for a finite, limited amount of resources with many other teams that will do anything to get one of these guys. And, you know, you get one of these guys, and that's not even guaranteed to be successful. Uh, we were very spoiled with, with Matt Ryan in that era um, for 14 years. Like, that's that's incredible continuity. Um, but, yeah, like, it could be worse. It, you could be like the Panthers this year, and you completely tank for another team where, you know, the Chicago Bears, how good does that Bryce Young trade look for them right now? Like, they they moved from, what, one to eight, and they got number one again next year. and. I mean, Chicago, I I personally hope that they're convinced that um, Justin Fields is the guy because I feel like they would be, excuse my language, they would be idiots. They would be morons to pass on Caleb Williams. As good as Justin Fields is, as much as we both like Justin Fields. Um, we've talked about him. I would absolutely trade a second-round pick for him. You have to be a moron to pass on Caleb Williams yeah. uh, when you have that opportunity. Yeah. And, you know, I hope I hope the Bears are morons. Uh, <laughs> maybe they are. Maybe I, they I, are. Yeah. Uh, they're not exactly like the Patriots organization of like the 2000s and 2010s. So, you know, we'll see. Um, but hopefully that nostalgia and emotion of like, you know, the fans chanting, we want fields and stuff in that last game against the Pelicans. Hopefully that gets to them. And they're like, oh, you know what? Let's trade this pick too. And yeah. if that's the case, then Atlanta should be, you know, running to the phone and, you know, offering whatever package of picks and potentially players it takes to move up to number one, because I would, I would make a godfather offer for that number one pick, but that's just me personally. I'm sure many people in Atlanta would, because, you know, you put Williams on this team, it's, you know, it it would sort of be a fever dream, but, you know, we're, we're still a very, a very long way away from that, but you are right if this team has to tank, it's going to suck because this team has nine home games next year and there's going to be a lot of empty seats if Desmond Ritter is starting week in and week out. But, you know, maybe long-term, I, I the quarterback class next year isn't as strong as the one this year also. So that's that's another thing to take into account. But, you know, we'll see where it goes. And who knows, maybe the team goes into week one with with their franchise quarterback. We're still a few months away from knowing because you know that that's the frustrating part of this time of year right now mm-hmm. you know you, you're in full off-season mode but you have no idea you know what the team what's going to happen it's it's still way too early and all you can say is we'll see yeah but we want answers now yeah the big the biggest chess piece for the falcons the biggest domino to fall is going to be quarterback and we're probably not going to know what's going to happen there until march at the earliest so um you know it, they have to do something 
you know, we, we're going to probably, like I said, we're probably gonna do a full episode on the quarterback options available, you know, and the thing is like, if they, if they do go the veteran or fields route, then they do get to pick at eight. And that probably would lead to them having an edge rusher there uh, that they want, you know, whether that's Dallas Turner. I would Jared love Law to at eight. I would uh, not not. He was great this week. Yep. Um, I would not yeah. be mad at all at Law to at eight. I, I yeah. think that would be a home run pick if, if you do not get a quarterback. Yep. So, I mean, again, well, if they if they stay and are able to pick at eight, they can get that edge rusher that they desperately need, which I think that they will do if they stay at eight. So, and and there's a lot of there was a lot of good edge and interior talent at the Senior Bowl this year. Darius Robinson from Missouri, a guy that had some fans in like the early day three range, he is a fringe first rounder now. Um, Cam Jordan like player, you know, can play inside a little bit, can play on the edge, six six, you know, super long arms, athletic dominant uh fsu's braden fisk awesome just complete explosive interior pass rush type guy Fl- flew into the backfield like they didn't know what to do with him he was so fast off the snap he was just getting free real estate in the backfield and you know he like i said the layatu latu was doing well uh penn state's adisa isaac was doing well i liked marshawn nealon uh you know Darius robinson yeah, Darius Robinson. He was probably the biggest winner of the whole week, I would say, like overall. Um, like I think he's a fringe first rounder now. Um, so, you know, it would be it sure would be nice if we could do like Law Two or Dallas Turner or Versa Eight, and then like Darius Robinson with the second round pick, and it's like okay, we've we've we hopefully we've solved the the, the pass rushing crisis. I'm not. I I would not be against double dipping that pass rusher, especially given the fact that this team has not had a competent pass rusher since John Abraham still, and that was a decade ago. Uh, and this team has not had two good pass rushers since, what, Abraham and Patrick Kearney back in the day, and that was not a full two decades, but, you know, it's getting around there at this point. Um, but, yeah, pass rusher is definitely a, a big need, and I feel like pass rusher has been high up on that list of needs year in and year out, and you've never been able to, take that down off the board because you just have never been able to hit on it. I mean, you know, TJ Watt was there a few years ago, but team took Tack McKinley and look at that sort of set this team back, you know, a few years when it comes to pass rusher. Yeah. Um, We thought Vic Beasley was the guy, but he was only that he was a flash in the pan for a year and, you know, he didn't really care about football that much. So, you know, leave it to the Falcons. You get, get one of those all pro pass rushers and he just, you know, he, has a charity basketball game instead of going to spring practice next year. Um, but, you know, I digress. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, you know, Clay Melton's asking, is there any chance the staff decides Ritter is fixable? I, I don't think there's a 0% chance that somebody on staff is like, Oh, I still, we still like Ritter. We want to see what we can do with him. But like, there's no way that their plan a is to try to fix Ritter. Like it's just Ritter has Ritter blew his chance. So like, let's be honest, like it, it he blew his chance um, to, to be the starter like like this. Like, this is not going to happen again for him. So he's going to have to benefit probably from an injury or some bad luck to play again. But I, I don't think that there's a – like, I think there's a chance he could play again and then be better. So, like, that's not a 0% chance. But they're, they're not going to – he's not going to get a starting job handed to him again in the NFL. No, I, I don't think he's a starter-worthy player in the league at all. And, I mean, I think I was Ritter's most vocal critic going back to camp. But – I think he would be – he's a fine backup, 
Like yeah. I, I have no issues with, you know, having Ritter next year as a QB two, yeah. uh, and moving forward, he's on a rookie deal. Uh, you know, I would, I would save the cap space from cutting Heineke, and you know, sign a, a QB three for cheap, or you know, we'll see what happens with Logan Woodside. You have a competition maybe for that QB three spot, um, but. Yeah, I, I don't think any team is, you know, jumping at the opportunity to have Desmond Ritter as their starter, especially because last year he had, you know, he had everything given to him. He disappointed to the point where he got benched for Heineke twice over the course of the season. That was That's a whole other show topic is the stupidity of benching Ritter twice for Taylor Heineke, who was not better. But... <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I that's mean, part of the reason Arthur Smith got fired is for benching Ritter twice for Heineke, who was not bad. So, uh, I mean, Arthur Smith's pitch apparently to you know Arthur Blank was, "Oh, like everything is fine. We just need a quarterback." So, I can only imagine how um, <laughs> how how many how much the Falcons would have uh, would have given for a quarterback, you know, trade up or trade this offseason if Arthur Smith remained but you know that's that's sort of a parallel universe type thing now yeah. he's gone from Ritter to Kenny Pickett which isn't much of an upgrade over in yeah. Pittsburgh I'd rather have Ritter in the third round so no yeah honestly. absolutely <laughs> for, for opportunity cost for sure yeah absolutely Kenny Pickett, like Kenny Pickett is he just hasn't bad. been better than Ritter yet. but you know he's the same. first rounder <laughs> yeah so um yeah we got you know, we, we got a lot to get to. This is going to be a busy off season. And, and, you know, I, I like, like, ultimately I like the hires. I like this class, the senior bowl. I think this is going to be a, a good, deep draft class. Um, I think this is like, there's a lot of defensive line talent on the interior and on, on the edge wide receivers, really strong, you know, it, it just doesn't feel like this is a team that's going to take Knicks or Penix in like the late first early second round range I think they sort of have their their like depth like quarterback they want to develop with, with Ritter you know it, I I like Penix I, I I've always liked Penix but it's just like I don't know what the medicals are gonna say I mean Penix was definitely the best quarterback here in terms of throw like passing but you and know the bar isn't really you know huge it, I, I saw it was some... a lot better than last year like I'll say that um but like I no, saw nobody blew you away. Passes too, like it was, yeah. you know, it, it was underwhelming. But also, there is the quarterback tax too. Of yeah, you know, because he's a if the medicals come back clean, someone is going to take him before the Falcons' second round pick. I would not take Penix at eight. Um, even if the medicals are clean, I, I, I think Penix has his own red flags. You know, yeah. beyond that, he has his issues. Um, and. You know, I, I feel like a few of those, like, I, I'm not I'm not one to just, like, take one game, you know, one game sample size and just run with it the way that people did with Terrell a few years ago. But the national championship did highlight some of those issues as well. You know, the touch on the deep ball, uh, the lack of mobility, you know, in the pocket. Um, so I, I would not be – if you don't trade up for a quarterback, I'm fine with not taking one at all in the draft. Is, yeah. is what I'm getting at here. Yeah, I mean, like, like Joe Milton from Tennessee. Like, if you just want a toolsy project guy on day on like you know day three, he was probably the one that I was most intrigued by. He looks exactly like Anthony Richardson 
except he's not a great quarterback. You know, <laughs> like he's big, athletic, has a cannon arm. He just like Anthony Richardson was raw, and Joe Milton is like a whole other level of raw. But if you're looking for that toolsy guy to develop for several years and see if you hit, like he's probably the one. But that's not going to fix your problem this year, you know. Um, so, yeah, uh, it it's a uh, it's not a great situation if you can't get one of the top three quarterbacks. So uh, that's why you know we keep coming back to well, that's why Justin Fields is not such a bad idea. And I know people are like, oh well, you're gonna have to pay the fifth year option. Yeah, you are gonna have to pay the fifth year option. But it's one year, and it's guaranteed. And if you're trading a second-round pick for Fields, you're going to give him two years to see if he's worth it. Like, I mean, that, that that's why, like, you're not trading a second-round pick for a one-year rental. Like, you're you're going to give him a year or two to see if it works out. And if it's not good in 2024, you're drafting somebody in 2025's draft to, to compete with Fields. And then, you know, it, no matter what, like, if Fields isn't worth that fifth-year option in 2025, that's too bad. It's one year. You know, you're not... This isn't a situation where you're going to be killed on the cap for five years from the Fields trade. Like, this is not a Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, bad contract situation. You got one expensive year and one cheap year. And, you know, if he plays well, you can extend him and spread that money out. If he doesn't play well, you know, you're going to have to eat that one bad year. But it's like, but you got to do something. You got to do something. Also, like, if you get a quarterback, no matter what, you're going to have to pay him eventually. Yeah. Like I've seen that argument against Fields, and I don't really like it that much. Of, oh, like, you know, why do you want to get Fields when you're gonna to have to pay him? Like, if you hit on any of these quarterbacks and they end up being what you want them to be, you're gonna to have to pay them, and it's probably gonna be even much more years from now when that quarterback market skyrockets again because that NFL TV money is not slowing down anytime no. soon, and that salary cap is gonna keep going up and up and up. And those quarterback contracts are going to keep going up and up and up. But, like, unless your plan is, all right, we're just going to draft and develop a rookie every every four years, which is not a sustainable plan, you're going to eventually have to, you know, bite that bullet on that quarterback contract. And that's, yeah. that's what cap manipulation's for. Yeah, and it's like, would it be nice to get a rookie quarterback that crushes it? Absolutely. That's the that's best true. thing you could that's do. Cool, but everyone wants that. Yeah, everybody's trying to get that. And that's exactly why you're probably not going to be able to do it this year. Uh, so you either punt and try again next year, which rarely works for teams that punting like that typically doesn't work. It like basically like it's what the Falcons did, except they actually thought they were going to win, which I guess in hindsight seems funny. But, um, you know, you, you typically can't do that. So like if you can't get one of the top three quarterbacks, you probably have to see what you can do with fields or get a bridge guy like a Russell Wilson. And that that's kind of your options. And we'll see, we'll see how that plays out. But ultimately, like I said, I, I think it's a good class of receivers. I think it's a good class of defensive line talent. There's good secondary players too. You know, Toledo's Quinion Mitchell was like the star of the secondary um, playing really, really well. He's definitely a first, like a high first rounder at this point, I think like top 20. Um, we saw some some nice things from like Oregon's Kyrie Jackson and Notre Dame's Cam Hart, two big corners. Um, you know, we'll see if the Falcons are going back to more zone. They could be interested in guys like that. Um, so th- there was a lot of good players at the Senior Bowl this year. There's a lot of of talent. The Falcons do have a lot of resources in terms of picks, in terms of cap, so they can make some moves. Um, but really, like we're not going to know exactly 
what the plan is until until we get the quarterback situation figured out because everything else kind of builds off of that. Because if you have all the draft picks, but you spend the money on quarterback, then you're going to go a certain way. If you have to spend all your draft picks to get the quarterback and you still have all the money, you could go a different way with things. So it just, it depends a lot on what they do a quarterback, I guess. And, and like I said, way more to it than what we even covered tonight. Um, but it, it's going to be an interesting conversation throughout the off season. What do the Falcons do? Um, we did have one, a couple of donations here. Jason Gaines says, excited for the Falcons two revenge games this year, the Steelers and at the Commanders. Going to enjoy seeing Arthur Smith using uh, Najee Harris as a tight end this year and then saying against new Commanders head coach Dan Quinn's, I'll really enjoy the Falcons beating him by simply throwing it to the tight ends and running backs, which is the kryptonite to Dan Quinn's defense. Also, he says, I wish Nielsen was kept as our DC. He was the best. I think he was our best DC since Wade Phillips. Yeah, that's that's a... That's a nice, nice deep cut there. Um, and then we have one more, uh, $20 from Jay Coop. Thanks, Jay. Says, uh, I think Penix is better than Drake May. So prove me wrong. Show me a game where Drake May showed you more. 4,500 yards back-to-back seasons in the national championship. Although Michigan's D-line was way better than Washington's O-line. And that's definitely part of the reason they lost. Yeah. Penix is a like pure passer. He throws a beautiful ball. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, when he has time and he can set his feet and, and unload that thing, Penix throws the prettiest ball in the class without question. But the injuries, the lack of mobility, the the questions about how does he handle pressure, that that's what's going to probably keep him out. Whereas, like, May, I think May is a really high floor quarterback, and that's why I think you're seeing people really like him because he's shown some flashes – and the floor is really high and he does all the little things well um, and doesn't have the injury questions. Right. Um, and I think that's why people like may more. Um, and then you've got Caleb Williams. Who's just like, he's just a complete prototype, you know, crazy athlete latest in that, like Kyler, you know, style of quarterbacks. That's a great athlete, tremendous on the move, great arm. You great know. improviser. Yep. Um, so, you know, Whoever you like, I, it makes sense to me. And then Jane Daniels, ter- terrific runner, amazing deep ball thrower, uh, who has improved every single year as a quarterback. I, I love Jane Daniels too. So again, those top three, like I have no problems. You can argue for whichever one you like the best, but uh, I just, I really question if Atlanta's going to have an opportunity to get any of those guys. Unfortunately, it would be nice if they did. But um, my Bears, Justin Fields was right there for you. Give him another chance. Yeah. Bring it, bring him home, bring him home, TF. You know, I, I like Fields too, so I think those. You know, I, I think if you get one of those top three guys, or you get Justin Fields, we're cooking. But, you know, I, I'm fine with Fields, but I was, uh, I was playing with the Bears to keep him. Oh yeah, yeah. And then we get Caleb Williams. You know, so either way, we win. You know, <laughs> we'll I just be on the win. phone with Chicago. It's like if you want Fields, uh, you know, then we'll take your first. We'll take your number one. If you don't want Fields, we'll take Fields. Just give us a call back. Uh, here's our number. You know, here's my yeah. card. But, but, yeah. but by the way, this is Terry Fontenot from yeah. the This is Fontenot, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, he, he and Poles know each other very well. Yeah, sure you guys won't have to talk to Rich McKay. You know, I promise. Yeah, no, he's yeah. he's no longer on the call. Yeah, apparently. So. He's oh yeah. Rich McKay will no longer be you know the third line breathing you know <laughs> on the telephone. As Who we is someone listening into this? What is that? <laughs> you know? Who is that? Yeah, but uh, 
yeah, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Appreciate everyone following along with the Senior Bowl coverage this week. I'll, I will have like a takeaways article coming out probably over the weekend, kind of wrapping up my thoughts. Um, appreciate everyone for interacting and all that stuff. It's been a fun one. Once again, thanks to everyone for donating to the fundraiser. It's helped a ton with covering the costs. As always, uh, appreciate you guys. Please like, subscribe if you haven't done so already. Please do uh, check out the channel memberships if you're a uh, video watcher. If you're a podcast listener, check out the Patreon for those exclusive perks. Um, and before we head out, uh, first of all, I want to thank betonline.ag for sponsoring today's show. And I want to thank, of course, my co-host Adnan Ikachet, Say Which Way, for helping out with tonight's coverage. Adnan, anything you're working on you'd like to let the people know about? Um, just going to plug the Falcoholic uh you know, for your up-to-date 24-7 uh, senior bowl takes, um, draft takes, free agent takes, and, yeah, free agency is coming up I think a month from now already. So, you know, we're, we're really going to – we're really hitting the ground running. Oh, yeah. We're, we're kicking into high gear here with the, the off-season coverage. I'm going to have, like, salary cap stuff and free agency stuff coming pretty hot and heavy along with the post-senior bowl mock draft. Probably posting your bowl mock draft first and then a cap breakdown for this year because uh, I know you guys are ravenous for that stuff. Um, and, yeah, it's kind of a delayed start because of all the coaching stuff, which I I don't mind. It's nice to have, have that. That was exciting, interesting stuff, except for the Belichick stuff. I could have done without that. But, um, you know, my heart was was definitely – we were. there's a little bit of despair in the group chat maybe about Bill Belichick. But, uh, thankfully, we don't have to deal with that eventuality. Uh, and we got lots of great stuff coming your way. Thanks again to Bet Online. Thanks to you guys for watching. Again, like, subscribe, leave that five star review on your podcast platform of choice. We'll be back next week with more terrific content for you guys as we get our off season content machine kicked into high gear here on the Falcoholic Live and the Dirty Birds and Brews podcast. Until next time, guys, thanks so much for joining us. I'm Kevin Knight. He's Adonikich. We'll see you next time. Have a great night, folks. <laughs>